You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note, the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to Where Your Treasure Is. Today we're going to be digging into a little bit about what does the Bible say about money. I'm Bex and I am joined by Simon, who is our resident finance expert, but not a Bible expert. Um, And this podcast is not going to be a theological debate, but rather an opportunity to understand what our relationship is with money in terms of the Bible and what it says about it. So, Simon, if you are not a Bible expert, then why are we doing a whole podcast on what the Bible says about money? Valid question, Bex. Thank you. Hello, all. Simon here. Yeah, I think the first thing I would point out is that the Bible has an awful lot to say about money. There's something like 2,300 odd different verses that relate to money and wealth and possessions. And actually, that makes it one of the most common topics in the Bible. However, I'll also point out that just because there's lots of verses and references to money in the Bible, not all of them are actually specifically teaching about money. And I'll give you an example. Think about the parable of the lost coin that Jesus tells, and it's in Luke 15, you'll find this one. He uses the coin actually as an illustration of salvation. He's not really talking about money at all. But what I would suggest is that God understands us. He understands humans. He understands the relevance and the power that money can have on us. And so he has provided us with a lot of help to help us manage this really tricky topic. Fantastic. So even in that first answer, I am starting to see some of the complexities of digging into this topic in the Bible in terms of sometimes it's used as imagery and sometimes it is genuine principles that we can pick up and apply to our lives straight away. And so already, if in that first answer, we've got into a bit of a minefield, what are we going to be able to cover and really establish in roughly 20 minutes or so? Yeah, not as as much as I would like to, I suppose, but we've got a whole podcast series ahead of us. We can fill in much more of the topics, Bex. What I'm going to suggest we do today is just skim over the key themes that the Bible highlights about money, point out some verses for each theme. And what I want to do is really establish a foundation for many of the topics we're going to cover in much more depth in future podcasts. And I'm not stating that my theology on each of these is perfect. In fact, you know what? I'm sure it's not. But I hope that by letting you know what we believe, you and I, Bex, what we've been taught through uh, family, through church, through all sorts of things, what we believe at this stage will help you get a better handle on how the Bible handles this topic of money. We'll start with kind of first principles and and work from there. Excellent. So where are we starting with these first principles? What's our first key theme today? Okay, we're going to go back to my favourite little verse on this topic. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Uh, Just to make a point here, I'm going to be using the NIV Bible translation. So for those of you who use a different version, you hear my words, think, oh, I, I kind of recognize the verse, but I know it a bit differently. Absolutely fine. Uh, the Bible means the same stuff. Sometimes the language is just a little bit different. So the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, 
And then we're going to add to that a verse from Deuteronomy 10, 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, the earth and everything in it. And then the parable of the talents. This is from Matthew 25, which God uses to illustrate his ownership of everything. We have this, this broad spread of teaching that everything is actually God's. I mean, everything, the whole world, everything in it, us, all our possessions, all the stuff that we think is ours, is actually God's. And then let's add to that verses like this one. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. That's in 1 Chronicles 29, 14. And then there's this bit of doxology from Romans 11, 35 to 36. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. So the Bible is painting this picture of God as the creator, the ultimate owner of all things. And he generously provides us, you and I, Bex, me and you listeners, with all that we need. And here I'm thinking about what Jesus exhorts us in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, not to worry. And it includes these classic verses, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. And, and these things in the context refers to food and to drink and to clothing, all the essentials that we need. All these things will be given to you as well. And then, hey, look, there's the whole book of Job, which is this big illustration of how God can provide and allow things to be taken away and then give us even more in the end. The Bible is just all about God's ownership of the stuff fantastic so in this first theme we see that everything belongs to god and that he provides what we need but if that's the case then what is our part to play and what should our relationship with money be is it a bit like the concept of manna in the old testament and daily bread in the new testament that i just wait for god to provide what i need or am i an active participant in this Stewardship. Stewardship is the answer, Bex. I'm going to come back to this time and time again throughout this podcast. Stewardship is the word which, in my opinion, best describes the biblical relationship between mankind and money. In fact, stewardship goes far beyond just money in the biblical perspective. It covers all of creation, how we look after it, how we care for it. God created it and then kind of gave it to us to look after. So let's Dig into that within the Bible, see if we can establish this principle, the firm foundations. So the first thing is that God, he kind of gives us mankind authority over his creation. It says this in Genesis 128, says it in Psalm 86, says it in Psalm 115, 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the human race. It's kind of ours. It's a gift. He's, he's given it to us. He's entrusted it to us because in addition to the authority comes responsibility. So think again about that parable of the talents, the responsibility being given to the manager to manage money wisely. And then there's the parable of the faithful and wise manager in Luke 12. Now, don't confuse at this stage the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16. We'll get to that one one day. The parable of the wise and faithful manager ends with this phrase from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. And then in addition to the authority 
and the responsibility that God gives us, there is also accountability. These parables end with the master, in, in this case representing God, asking his managers to come, to stand before him and give an account of what they have done with the possessions that he gave them responsibility for. And if that wasn't clear enough, we've got this bit in 2 Corinthians 5.10, which says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So the picture we're building up so far is that everything belongs to God and that he provides what we need. But within that, God then invites us into the story. He gives us authority over those things. And with that comes an inherent responsibility and accountability. And really the the knowledge that one day we will stand before God and we will give an account of our actions and what we did with what he gave us. Wow. Thing is, Bex, this is just the start, right? There's so much in the Bible. And I wanted to get this settled down first of all, because if we just plow on with a podcast all about finance and money and financial planning, without us as Christians understanding some of the core principles, then we end up going off track. We end up going down the, the rabbit hole and finding ourselves in a place we don't want to be. And there's so much more, so much more. Absolutely. And I think sometimes when we don't have that broad picture and those firm foundations, we can become quite legalistic and we can want to stick to the rules and do things right rather than actually looking at God's will and God's desire. So can you talk to us a little bit more about these principles and these key themes? What comes next? Sure. I've actually taken a lot of this stuff quite heavily from a book by a guy called Mark Lloydbottom. And he's written a superb book about biblical finance. And in it, he has gone and listed every single verse there is in the Bible that talks about money, relates to it, and kind of given us a theme, a thematic approach to what the Bible says. Now, rather than diving deeply into each of these today, I think, Bex, you and I can have a bit of a to and fro. I'll throw out some key concepts and then we'll try and work out, do we see this happening in the Bible? And if I need to, I'll, I'll pull out some Bible verses as well. So. The next one I'm going to come to is actually about debt. OK, now, without giving you much warning, Bex, what would you say is the biblical attitude towards debt, towards borrowing money? Anything that comes to mind initially for you? Well, my initial thought was debt is bad, but I'm not sure that's entirely biblical. I think we see it a lot more commonly in the Bible in terms of there's parables about the person who's in debt and the the master lets them off and yet they go to the next person and demand their debt. And there's also the sense of the talents. And while that's not debt, it's the entrusting and the looking after someone's money. I suppose that's more getting into investment. Yeah, spot on. And what you're doing is you're starting to pull out the way the Bible talks about debt. I wouldn't say it's inconsistent, but it isn't totally conclusive. It doesn't just say debt is a bad thing. You should never be in debt. Nor does it say, hey, debt's brilliant, get as much as you can. And actually, those two attitudes can often be ones that we hear about in society today. Perhaps some very staunch believers, you know, neither a lender nor a borrower be, and that's the way we should behave. Or those from modern society think, ah, debt is free money. I will take what I can and 
and maybe even not pay it back. So what are the, some of the principles that the Bible does teach about debt? Debt is, is, is talked about, and therefore it must have been understood. It was common in the society to which uh, the contemporaneous speakers, whether it was Jesus in the first century, whether it was Old Testament, debt was understood. Debt sometimes led to imprisonment, or it, it could even lead to slavery in the Old Testament as well. There's a principle here which I would say it encourages us not to be in debt if we can afford, afford not to. You know, don't just choose to go into debt. That's not a great thing. Actually, when you're in debt, you are beholden to somebody else. You owe, and they have a right to, to reclaim from you. You're actually also beholden to your future self. When you have debt today, you have to repay it tomorrow. And so you have less freedom to do with your money what you want in the future, because part of it has to be given back if you find yourself in debt. And now I'm going to argue later in future podcasts, there is good debt and there is bad debt. There is reason to be in debt and there's reason to try and avoid being in debt. We'll get into all that kind of stuff. If you are in debt, one principle would be repay your debt. Now try Try when you can, as hard as you can, prioritize paying off that debt. Get yourself out of debt. If you have got money to repay debt, don't hold on to it for a little bit longer. Pay what you're due. And there's a little bit of comment around debt as well, which is, you know, don't take on somebody else's debt. And I think that's a tricky one sometimes, you know, especially in relationships with family members. You might want to. So I would say key principle, avoid debt if you can. But we will take that into account in modern society. What about things like buying houses? buying cars, credit cards, overdrafts, all that kind of stuff. Can we balance biblical teaching and the way we live today? Mm. And I think it's so helpful to point out the nuances in the biblical teaching when we do live in a society where, as you've kind of hinted at, there's maybe some debt that's manageable and that allows us to advance and to provide for ourselves and our family. And there's also some debt that can lead us really trapped and therefore perhaps unable to walk in the freedom that God gives us. What have you got next for us? I'm going to throw a little advert out at this point, Bex, actually, because there could be someone listening just now for whom debt is a real issue. Okay? We are not going to be behaving as debt counsellors today. In fact, I'm not trained as a debt counsellor. I understand debt. I understand how people get into debt and can help them sometimes get out. If debt is causing a real problem in your life, and you spoke about manageable debt there, Bex, there are organizations that exist to help you. Uh, one that I've worked with closely in the past is CAP, Christians Against Poverty. And they offer a fantastic service, either helping you get out of debt, or there's the CAP money course, which I absolutely love, which can help anybody at any stage in life better manage their finances. Debt can be a real issue. Don't hide. It can cause worry. Get help. And we'll put some links in our show notes to how you can get, for example, onto the CAP website and get their help and advice. Fantastic. And having done the CAP money course, I can definitely advocate um, that it's just a really helpful and practical tool to begin to tackle some of those issues and make money work for you and achieve what you're hoping to and use it as a tool, as we talked a little bit in the first episode. What is our next key theme or principle, Simon? The next key theme is going to be honesty. Now, that might not sit 
straight away obvious. Why are we talking about honesty in a, in a finance podcast? So honesty is this principle that flows throughout the Bible. God expects us to be honest, to tell the truth, not to lie. What we find in modern society is that money and possessions and wealth is an area where we can be constantly tested about our honesty. The Bible says almost the the inclination of the human heart is to be dishonest. And we almost have to fight against that as Christians to stand tall, to, to be honest, to pay our taxes when they are due, not to try and hide how much tax we're supposed to be paying. Not, for example, to take stationery from work and raid the stationery cupboard and take it home and use it. Or perhaps when you're working from home, which I imagine for certainly you and I, Bex, the last couple of years during the COVID pandemic has been a real issue and likely to become more prevalent in the future. Are you working from home and, and working hard for your employer or are you getting distracted, not doing the hours you're supposed to be? And there's this principle where God sees what we do and, and it can be used badly. You know, a parent telling the child, you know, God knows what you're doing when no one else sees you, so you must behave. And yet there is this sense of accountability for our time and our resources to God. I have come across in my time people who are always tempted to do something that would be skirting the edge of what is right with their finances. Let me give you an example. You want a job doing by a builder. And they come along and say, well, the job's going to cost this much, but if you pay me in cash, it's going to be a bit less. And the question is, well, why? Why would it be less? The answer is usually because they haven't got to put it on their books. They can avoid paying taxes. Therefore, they pass the benefit on to you. In that moment, we have a challenge as Christians to stand up and say, no, I will pay you the full price. I want the tax to be included. I want to get the invoice. Because my belief, Bex, is this. If we are honest, and responsible with how we manage our wealth. God is more than able and capable and willing to provide us with what we need rather than us trying to keep hold of it for ourselves and make a bit on the side and be dishonest in the process. Does that make sense? That's so helpful. I think initially when you throw out that concept of honesty and integrity, the gut reaction is, of course, I have integrity with my money. Um, but you just highlighted so many areas where actually the lines can be blurry. And if we're not paying attention, if we're not got that in the forefront of our mind, it can be very easy to make decisions that maybe when it's explained like that, we don't want to make or we may make things differently with education. Yeah, you're so right. We live in a society where sometimes if everybody else is doing it, it must be the right thing to do. And yet as Christians, that is not our benchmark. Our benchmark is what the Bible says. The Bible says, be true, be honest. Uh, there is some stuff in the Bible about paying tax. We'll get to that one day. However, we're not going to talk more about giving money to the tax man. We're going to talk more about giving money to other people just now. This concept of generosity. And we'll talk a lot about this in the future. We're going to cover things like why we give. The fact that we give matters. Our attitude when we give matters. How we give matters. How much we give matters. To whom we give matters. In fact, I think giving generosity is a really important theme that's hard for all people to get their heads around. Now, growing up in a, in a church environment, I know that sometimes churches shy away from talking about giving because it's as though 
you know, your minister, your pastor stands up at the front of church and kind of says to you, I need your money to pay my wages. Please give me more. And it's like they're on a commission basis. You know, can they get more money coming into the church? It's hard to do. It's hard to do well. I'm not paid by the church. I give money to the church. I believe it's part of our calling. And we will talk about some of the biblical principles around generosity. God has been tremendously generous to us. I believe he asks us to pass on that blessing to others. In fact, if you go right back to the story of Abraham, who became Abraham, he is told he is going to be given a lot, but that he is therefore going to be a blessing to the whole world. It's all about generosity in the kingdom of heaven. Fantastic. And I think, again, when we pair that with the first theme you talked about of everything belongs to God and he provides for us, it suddenly makes it so much easier to be a bit more generous and to hold on to things a bit less tightly when we realise that actually they're not ours to hold on to. Ah, So true. So true. You know, Bex, I believe that giving is a blessing to us. Something called the grace of giving. When you're involved in partnering with other people and partnering with God to see him achieve so much more than we ever could by ourselves. What a blessing that is to us. Don't miss out on the grace of giving. We'll get into that one week. Absolutely. That sounds exciting. Do we have other key themes or principles that we need to cover today? Why not? Why not? I'm going to give you another blessing. The blessing of giving is one. The next one is the blessing of work. Do you consider work a blessing, Bex? Depends on the day, but typically, yes, I am delighted with the two jobs I do. And yeah, it feels like a joy and something that I was designed to do and the way my brain works. So that is a blessing to work in a job like that. I love the way you've put that, Bex, that you were designed to do. And I totally agree with you. If we go right back to the beginning of the Bible, there is this moment in time it feels as though Adam and Eve, uh, they've eaten from the apple, they're hiding from God, and, and God kind of says to Adam, you are now going to have to work the soil. You know, it won't just produce food for you. And it's as if God was saying, you know, the perfect scenario is you don't have to work. Work is therefore a punishment. Go to it, you know, you'll have to labour the rest of your lives. And I get that. I think in God's perfect economy and his perfect creation idea, we wouldn't be working. We would spend all our time in his presence, worshipping and glorifying him. And yet here we are in a fallen world. And somehow the Bible speaks about the blessing that it is to work. You know what? Work can be a burden for many people. But I'll tell you what, those who have no work and wish they did, that's even more of a burden. God has gifted us with abilities, with our hands and our feet and our minds and time. And he encourages us and asks us to use that for his glory. When we work, we work as if we are working for the Lord. The Bible speaks of all work, all honest work, being honourable, that we should work hard. But also it does speak about Sabbath rest, taking time off work. Now, we live in a society perhaps where time off work is is the ultimate aim, the ultimate objective. I want more holidays. I want longer weekends. I want to retire early. Are these biblical principles? We'll get into that uh, later as well. God has given us the ability to work 
And I think he calls us to work. And then as workers, we are responsible. We are responsible towards our employers, how we work. But if we are an employer, we are responsible to our employees and looking after them as they work. The blessing of work, Bex. Fantastic. And I think it comes back again to that concept of stewardship, doesn't it? We've been given these talents and these abilities and it's how we use them. And again, isn't it amazing that we believe in a God who we get to partner with and work for his glory? I am aware we are coming close to our time today. But I just wondered about some topics that seem more modern that maybe don't have a biblical equivalent in the Bible, such as retirement or things like savings and where do I invest my money? All of that has changed a lot since biblical times. So how do we approach them? Yeah, let's let's look into that in the future. But there is one reference to retirement in the Bible. If you can find it, well done. And it doesn't quite feel like we expect it to feel. So uh, we'll touch on that one. Uh, when it comes to investing and saving, the Bible actually does say a number of things about this. But then we have to take the concept and apply it to our modern society. It doesn't say in the Bible, for example, you know, you should maximize your pension contributions and you should invest in this kind of fund and you should pay that kind of manager. Of course, that's not there. But the principles we can draw on and we can give good godly wisdom to our, our listeners will be there for us. And then the Bible does cover topics such as budgeting and financial planning, how to teach your children about money, about taxation, even about lifestyle, what we spend our money on. So all these things we're going to work through and work with each other to hopefully build this really good understanding of modern financial planning with a biblical foundation. So, Simon, it seems to me like the Bible still has lots to say about money, wealth and possessions and actually a lot of the topics um, that we grapple and worry about in our day to day lives. We have lots of content to dig into and we've got this season planned out. But we would love to find out about what kind of topics or issues are pressing to you guys as the listeners as we build on these themes of everything belonging to God and him providing what we need and stewardship and the fact that God gives us authority and that that comes with responsibility and accountability. So maybe as you've listened to this overview of what the Bible has to say about money, you think we missed out something really key that you'd like us to talk about. Or maybe one of the topics has hit home and sparked a specific question for you. If that's the case, we'd absolutely love you to send us an email to where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. Yeah, in fact, we would much prefer to record just one podcast that speaks directly into your situation or the situation of someone you know, rather than 100 podcasts that are technically brilliant but don't change your ability to manage money in a godly way. Absolutely. And so today we have very briefly explored the tip of the iceberg on what the Bible has to say about money, wealth and possessions. And we are going to be digging into that in much more detail in future episodes. But our next episode is going to focus a little bit less on the faith side and more on the finance. What will we be talking about, Simon? We're going into my comfort zone next week. I'm a financial planner. That is what I get paid to do. But it's something that very few people really understand. So next time I'm going to be explaining what financial planning is, how it differs from financial advice, and how, at least in my opinion, it's already something that almost everybody is doing, 
but almost everybody could do better. And I know you don't need someone like me in your life to do it for you. My aim is to begin to demystify the world of financial planning and to help you start planning for yourself. Fantastic. As someone who feels a little bit intimidated by the concept of financial planning, I am really looking forward to digging into that and understanding a bit more about what that entails. So thank you so much for joining us today for Where Your Treasure Is, and we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.